0: Part Four, chapter twenty four of short history of the christian church by john fletcher hurst this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty four wesley and methodism the religious condition of england in the former half of the eighteenth century was deplorable the strife between the puritans and the angland church had subsided but with no good spiritual results the puritan activity had been transplanted into the american colonies while the church of england lay largely at the mercy of the prevailing deism reinforced by french infidelity the clergy were devoted to amusements and with only few exceptions had no profound conception of the sanctity of their office or the responsibility of spiritual care for the common people bishop burnet draws a dark picture of the general indifference of the anglican clergy to religious matters and to the great need of the people for a religious awakening macaulay proves the predominance of the french spirit in all the upper classes the literature under the influence of pope and addison was rapidly improving but there was no general discarding of the deistic models John and Charles Wesley, sons of Samuel Wesley, the rector of Epworth, were students in Oxford University. They, with Gambold, Whitefield, and a few others, formed the Holy Club. They met at stated times for the study of the Bible in the original tongues and for ministrations to the poor and imprisoned. They were called Methodists in derision because of their methodical life, john wesley with charles went as a missionary to georgia a strong colony under the administration of oglethorpe he lived in ascetic simplicity devoting his attention chiefly to the instruction of the indians and to services for the little english colony in savannah his religious experience was sombre and very different from the later cheerful type which distinguished his long career after his return to england john wesley first came to a warm admiration of the calm and beautiful spirit of the moravians when crossing the atlantic in company with some of them whose equipoise was in no wise disturbed by threatened shipwreck he saw that they possessed what he did not and on returning to england in seventeen thirty eight he immediately sought out the little moravian society he had frequent conferences with peter bowler the moravian bishop and on the night of may twenty fourth seventeen thirty eight while worshipping in the little chapel in fetter lane london his quote, heart was strangely warmed he was now clear in his experience his doubts had disappeared and until the day of his death he remembered the hour of his conversion as the beginning of his real religious life john wesley was now intent upon rescuing souls he had long since seen with clear eye the spiritual need of his fellow-countrymen but his great question was how could he reach them he began to preach to them though with evident distrust as to his power to reach any large number his mode of preaching seems to have been singularly fascinating his voice was far-reaching well modulated and calculated to gain and hold attention his methods were not rhetorical here he was excelled by whitefield whose manner was more animated whose voice was music itself and whose climaxes were overwhelming no stoical hearer not even the steady franklin could resist his magnetism but there was in wesley's preaching a logical order which was a more powerful factor in his sermon than his manner he left his audience in the possession of ideas which as the results prove never left the hearer he adopted special measures to organize the converts into societies his idea was precisely that of spener and zinzendorf the building up of the spiritual life of the church within itself he had no thought at first of a separate ecclesiastical body and insisted on holding services at other than the regular church hours. He desired to utilize the churches in which to preach, but betook himself to field preaching from two causes. In many cases he was refused access to the churches, and the growth of his audiences was such as to prevent the churches from containing them. He reluctantly concluded to form societies and to give them the character of a church, though non-episcopal the mission in america assumed the character of an episcopal church wesley himself ordaining thomas coke to the episcopacy for the purpose of general superintendency in america these arrangements for a separate ecclesiastical life of the american methodists seem to betoken the breaking down of wesley's doubts about a separate church in england the year seventeen thirty nine was regarded as the beginning of the wesleyan church and in 1839 the jubilee of english methodism was celebrated throughout england and the mission fields with special services john wesley was greatly aided by his brother charles who is acknowledged to be the leading christian hymnist of modern times but charles was more conservative as a leader than john and many of the advanced measures of john were strenuously opposed by him the whole of the first generation of wesleyan preachers was involved in the calvinistic controversy whitefield withdrew from fellowship because of his adoption of the doctrine of election john fletcher born at Nyon, switzerland september twelfth seventeen twenty nine was a powerful coadjutor of wesley he was distinguished for his gentleness of spirit and vigor as a controversialist the Wesleyan movement extended throughout England and Ireland, but gained only moderate support in Scotland. Coke represented the missionary fervor of the first Wesleyan generation. He established missions at various points along the Atlantic coast and in the West Indies, and died in 1814 at the age of 67, while on his voyage to Ceylon to plant a mission in the East Indies. John Wesley died in 1791 at the age of 88. He had lived to see his small societies grow into large and numerous bodies, held together by firm adjustments and a strong central government. He rivaled Luther in literary productiveness. He knew how to save his moments, and composed many of his writings in chaise and on horseback. In an early letter to his mother occur these words, leisure and i have taken leave of one another end quote. a farewell to which he remained true until death in his long walks he could read conveniently for ten miles his travels were enormous his old age was a beautiful picture of cheerful serenity his faculties were unimpaired to his last days lecky says of him quote, few things in ecclesiastical history are more striking than the energy and the success with which he propagated his opinions he was gifted with a frame of iron and with spirits that never flagged quote. he introduced lay preaching and the class-meeting both of which have proven strong factors in the development of his general system he never amassed property but used the profits from his publications for the benefit of worn-out preachers and their families. While the general attitude of the Church of England was opposed to his societies, many clergymen, and even some of the bishops, were friendly to him, not only admiring his genius and learning, but his profound spiritual life and the magnitude of his service in imparting a deeper religious character to British Christianity. End of chapter 24